Welcome to Gag Me With a Chainsaw, a horror podcast about 80s slashers. I'm Corey. And I'm Sarah. And we love scary movies. And we're tired. We are exhausted. Yeah. Um, this episode is coming to you several days post-Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> late, late, later than we intended to record it because we were so fucking busy. It's true. Very busy social butterflies packed calendar. It's our busy season. <laughs> yeah. Every year we're like, we're going to do all this fun stuff for Halloween. And we do. But then we do stuff in real life. And it just, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. And it's like, what do I do? Do I do podcasting stuff? Or do I go, <laughs> go out for real? <laughs> we go out for real. <laughs> well, it's related to the show. I Thank mean, we, we did a live uh, screening of That's true. four horror movies here mm-hmm. in town. and With our friends. Well, with our friend Ariel from Not Your Final Girl. That was very fun. That was very fun. And I felt like the movies were so secret that I was like, are we not supposed to be saying them? Like, I didn't <laughs> know. But we can say now for sure, right? Sure, yeah. We watched Event Horizon. Uh-huh. My first time watching it. Oh, yeah. Did it you was, like it? I did. It's it scary. Cool. My brother Tom was there and he got so fucking scared. Aww. He was so scared. He told me he had nightmares. That he was so scared about when when Sam Neill, like, there's a part where he kind of, like, popped up during the end, and he got really fucking scared. We watched Psycho 2. Yeah. Which is a fave of the show. When they showed the courthouse, we booed. Very fun. <laughs> and then we watched Nightmare 3. Yes, Dream Warriors. Yes. That's when I left part of the way through. Said, I can't. I got to go let my dogs out. <laughs> I've been gone too long. I feel long. like that's why everybody left when they left, because they had all had pets. Yeah, well, we're it's, responsible dog owners. Yeah. I'm a parent. I'm sorry, I'm a mother. <laughs> yeah, and we ended the night with Hellraiser, Hellraiser 3. Yeah. An interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good lineup. Yeah. Starting with Event Horizon was great, I thought. Mm-hmm. It's a corker. It's a good way to kick it off. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> so, Larry Fishburne is so fucking cute in Nightmare. Yes. Oh my God. He's <laughs> cute in Event Horizon too. Uh-huh. But he's a lot younger, obviously, in Nightmare. He's fucking hot. He is. Oof. I've always thought that. I like calling him Larry. Mm-hmm. Larry Fishburne. <laughs> and then we did trivia. Mm-hmm. That was podcast related. Yes. Uh huh. That was very fun. It was very fun. I really like doing that. Um, I like being the boss of a room with a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. It's easier when you're there with me, Sarah. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I, I just think it's so nice that you want to include me. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> like to do a little crowd work. Yeah. Right? It's fun. And then we had a lot of drinks that night. Of course. We had a lot of tea. You got us. You yeah. got to. <laughs> and when it was over, we said, let's go sit with our friends for a little while because we had a group of friends there. So mm-hmm. we did that. And then they all left and we were like, let's have some more drinks. Yes. And then we had some more drinks. And then we made plans that we forgot about. But we put them on the calendar. <laughs> and now there's logistical problems. <laughs> I tried to listen to uh, Ernest Hemingway when he said, always do what you plan to do drunk. It'll teach you to keep your mouth closed. Oh. It doesn't really teach me to m- keep my mouth closed, I don't think. No, because we made actually yeah, really good plans. I usually make good plans. <laughs> we were going to go to see the John Waters exhibit and then go to Moose and Frank's. That's yeah. a great fucking plan. <laughs> kidding me <laughs> we weren't like we should open our own bar <laughs> it wasn't like that a podcast bar <laughs> oh no <laughs> and we would open and close the same day 
<laughs> it would have to be a scam like the producers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make Jason fund it. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, though. And the week before that, we did Come and Crawl. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. Which theme bar crawl? Mm-hmm. I was so scared I was going to fall all night long because I made a choice to wear real shoes and not sneakers. Mm-hmm. They didn't go with my sneakers, didn't go with my outfit. So I wore my little boots. They have the smallest heel on them. All <laughs> night long, I was like, I'm going to fall. I know it. I'm so scared. And I didn't fall all night until literally steps away from the car when Jason came to pick me up. <laughs> you were so close. I was so close. And I rolled my ankle so bad. And Jason was just looking at me from the car. And then he rolled the window down while I was on the ground. And he goes, do you need help? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he got out of the car and he goes, you went down so gracefully. I didn't think you fell. I thought you were just crouching to get something. And I I went down like the black swan at the end (laughs) of Swan Lake. Yeah. Like my skirt just billowed all around me and everything. (laughs) And I just like gently placed my hat down when I fell down. So he helped me up. And then I had Sour Patch Kids in my hand that I dropped. And I just had to leave them behind. I know. I was like, my son, I've abandoned my child. (laughs) But I just had, and I remembered looking at them too, like, oh. But I just had to go. I had to go. Yeah. It was done. Don't look around. See who saw you. Oh, I did not. Because <laughs> I knew the guys outside the bar were standing there. So hopefully they didn't see me. But I did not look back or anything. Yeah. I just kept fucking moving to the car. <laughs> and then my foot was so swollen. and My toes were swollen. It was so bad. I went to acupuncture. She fixed me one time. I was going to say... You weren't injured for long. No. Last time I rolled my ankle, I was a mess. Dude, I was on crutches until I went to acupuncture. Literally. I walked in. I'm <laughs> a fucking ad for acupuncture every day, all the time. I walked in limping and yeah. I, with my toes fucking swollen. And I left 100% normal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she made me stand up and march in place while she put a grip of fucking acupuncture needles in, like, in, a, in and around my thumb. Oh, that's cute. And I was like, I don't know, Lucia. And she was like, just keep walking. And I was like, but my ankle hurts. And as I'm walking, it's fucking going away. She took them all out and she just looked at me like, well, and I was like, it's fine. She should have been at Coven Crawl. She seems like a uh, little bit of witchcraft thank there. You. <laughs> I know. You know what? I am like, I don't understand it. It's not for me to understand. <laughs> it's just for me to go Ancient and pay wisdom. my copay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, dude, I was totally fixed after that. I wish that I had gone to acupuncture when I fucking sprained my other foot that never has healed correctly. Like, we work on it, but it's never healing as quickly as this other one did. Hmm. Amazing. So, yeah, we've been super fucking busy. Yeah. I was on crutches for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is coming out after Halloween, which turned out to be good. And we'll tell you why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie, we'll see. It sort of bridges the gap between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yes. And this was um, one that the fans wanted. Yeah, was it second choice? It was our second. Yeah, our and first, our our first runner up. Uh-huh. And we decided to cover this one as well. We said, hell yeah. <laughs> we did. Let's do it anyways. Yeah. Um talking about Pet Cemetery. Yep. As you know, every episode we pick a movie from the letter. This it was not on that but not on there, right? No. Okay, well I'm gonna say it anyways. Because it's it not, was not it's, a it's, it's not, not a slasher. slasher. Oh, so much stuff that's not a slasher though ends up on that list. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, every episode except for ones like this, we pick a movie from the letterbox list every 80 slasher and attempt by John Hillman. But not today. As Corey said, we're doing Pet Cemetery from 1989. Yeah. Classic. I'm, I know, dude. When we were like, should we just do it anyways? We instantly were like, yeah, we should just do it anyways. 
right? Yeah, top two is good. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's a reward for everybody. I like this movie. Do you watch this movie a lot? Have you seen it a bunch of times? I've seen it a good amount of times. Yeah, me too. Maybe like five, six. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it that many times at least. I've watched it fucking three times just since we started working on it for the show. Yeah, and I've wanted to read the book for years. I just have not yet because I think it's pretty long. I read a ton of Stephen King when I was like 19. Um, and I feel like this was in there because I remember there's the Wendigo. Wendigo. I always say Wendigo, but there's not an N. Wendigo. I thought it was Wendigo. Okay, sure. I don't um, know. I don't know. Who am I to know? <sighs> there's that stuff in there that's not in the movie. Yeah. So I feel like I do remember that. But those books are scary. This is this this book is the one that he says scares him. Mm. I think The Shining is way fucking scarier. That move that book scared me so bad. I feel like everything scares Stephen King. You think so? Yeah, he's always like tweeting like, "Oh, I know, this scared me." All but that's his, good. He's I know. promoting people and good for him, right? <laughs> yeah. If he's telling the truth, like God, he's he's more open to life than we are. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know all his book blurbs are like, this is the scariest fucking thing I've ever read. Yeah. You're going to piss your pants. <laughs> and you're like, well, if Stephen King says so, God, yeah. but you're right. He gets scared by everything. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. I like that. I like it. Cause he kind of is a spooky looking guy. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like if you saw his sketch and like next to DB Cooper, the Zodiac, you'd be like, sure. Yeah. Right? Like a little spooky dork. Yeah. <laughs> but by all accounts, he's a pretty nice fella. So I, I thought you were going to say, by all accounts, he's great in bed. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't even know how we would find that information if out. If you know, give us a call. I have long <laughs> thought that there should be a database on the internet where people can anonymously write about their encounters with celebrities because I want to know <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. Why isn't that a thing? People would make stuff up. That's true. How could you verify it? <laughs> That's really true. Damn. All I want to know is what it's like to fuck Slash, and nobody will tell me. <laughs> I remember there was this interview with this uh, like groupie, and uh-huh. she was like ranking everybody, and she said Mark McGrath. What? It's like one of the best. What? <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. Cocaine? Maybe he Maybe. was just like... A sensitive lover. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> I've never read like groupy stuff that's modern. I've only read the like mm-hmm. the classics, you know, <laughs> yeah. the girls that were running with Led Zeppelin and stuff. Yeah. Doing horrific things with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Why would you? Well, I guess I came around on it really quick just now in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm, sure see yeah yeah we all think we're gonna be penny lane but that's not really how it works (laughs) (laughs) even she got traded away for a case of heinekens Mm -hmm. and to humble pie who even knows what humble pie looks like nobody (laughs) you couldn't pick them out Uh not at all so i'd rather be doing horrific things with led zeppelin right yeah she's nodding yeah. She's nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we got here, but Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Do you do you want to hear about it, Cor? Yeah, tell me about this movie. Okay. This movie is directed by Mary Lambert. Woo woo. 
Uh, George Romero held the film rights first, and he was originally supposed to direct, but there were scheduling conflicts, and he ended up doing Monkey Shines instead. Hmm. I always thought Monkey Shines was going to be about that little symbol monkey. Yep. And then it's not, and it's kind of <laughs> disappointing, right? When I heard it wasn't, I never watched it. <laughs> I've seen it, and I, you know how I feel about monkeys. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not pro. Yeah. I'm very con. Um, Even if they make sandwiches, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. So it's scary for me that there's a monkey in this movie that does what he does, right? It's so confusing because I feel like there's a Stephen King story called Monkey Shines that is about one of those little monkeys. There is, right? And also, this is Mystery Science Theater, but there is a fucking anthology movie called like Merlin's Shop of Oddities or something. Okay. <laughs> and it's got Ernest Borgnine in it. And... One of the one of the stories is about a little fucking symbol monkey that's cursed and it gets bought at this this fucking oddity shop or whatever and mm-hmm. it makes bad things happen like it crashes its little symbols and like kills the family pet or whatever. Oh, it burns the house down or some shit like, and the, <laughs> they're like, we gotta get rid of this thing, but you can't let it know you're getting rid of it. I guess you have to do it sneakily. Mm-hmm. So the dad like puts a trash can underneath it and pretends <laughs> that he's just like cleaning up. And whoops, I bumped the monkey into the trash can while I was dusting and didn't realize and put him in the garbage. My bad. And the monkey's like, oh, no, you fucking don't. And he crashes his cymbals again. And I don't remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you want it to be about that little monkey, yeah. not about a real monkey. Because the cover is really scary. The cover of Monkey Shines used to scare me bad. Yeah. Why did uh, misleading? Misleading. Thank you. Let's sue. All right. We're coming for you, George Romero. <laughs> uh, Tom Savini turned down directing this movie. Oh. Yeah. That would have been interesting, too. Right? I was thinking about that. What would we have had? Uh, but Mary Lambert, she also directed Pet Cemetery 2. Yes. An episode of Red Shoe Diaries as Alan Smithy, which is like the name that directors use when they don't want their names on something. <laughs> um, and a TV movie called My Stepson, My Lover. Okay. Did she do some music videos Dude, too? Yeah. She directed a ton of music videos. She did videos for The Pretenders, Chris Isaac, not that one though. <laughs> the Go Go's, Janet Jackson, Sheila E., Rod Stewart, Eurythmics, Sting, Bobby Brown, Motley Crue, Dolly Parton. But the biggest ones were the ones she did for Madonna. She did the videos for Borderline, Like a Virgin, mm-hmm. a video that I was always in trouble for emulating. <laughs> I stand on my bed and like flap the sheets like yeah. in the video. While I sang the song and my mom was like, four-year-old Sarah, if I hear the words like a virgin out of your mouth one more time, I swear you're going to regret it. And (laughs) like, she heard it though, because I fucking loved it. Yeah. For some reason, I was allowed to uh, sing those songs and dress like Madonna. Really? Well, in my head, I was dressed like Madonna. Right. It was just like, this is my Madonna dress and it's just like a normal little girl dress. Maybe it has some lace on it or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they did, my mom would do my hair like... um, in that tour where she had the high ponytail uh-huh. with like wrapped around and uh-huh. do a little beauty mark on me. <gasps> How cute. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. I was very into Yeah, Madonna. dude. She was very, her her face was everywhere. Like I remember I could not stop singing it and doing the video standing on the bed. And I, re- I remember very vividly my mom busting into my room while I was doing it. And I just hit my knees on the bed like <laughs> I wasn't doing it. And she was like, stop singing it. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't really understand what it means. (laughs) And I got it like years later when Mm -hmm. one of my nieces was real little. They're older now. 
But one of them was running around my sister's living room going, don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak <laughs> like me? <laughs> don't you? I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I hear it. Uh, Mary Lambert also did the material girl video. Mm-hmm. Uh, La Isla Bonita. I don't like Ooh. that song. I used to love that song. It's not for me. She did like a prayer. Oh. Yeah. That one's really huge. Really big. Very controversial. Yes. Uh, Black Jesus really made people mad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she really had a hand in like building Madonna the icon. Mm -hmm. Right? Like those are kind of like the building blocks of the Madonna, like not myth, but like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Persona? Yeah, Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Um, if you weren't alive then, like you have to know, like people were fucking big mad about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, people were protesting. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "What does Madonna know about family values? <laughs> what does she need to know? Who yeah. gives a shit?" <laughs> Mary Lambert is also responsible for the Ramones being so heavily featured in this movie. She knew them through the music industry and asked them about writing and recording a song for the movie, and they were like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> <laughs> Great song. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we get. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I used to think it was a pretty dumb song, but it's like fun to have the Ramones show up like that. Right. I like it. Stephen King is a big fan, too. Mm-hmm. Like he references the Ramones in the story okay. for Pet Cemetery. So why not? That's nice. Just makes sense. <laughs> Did you know Stephen King was in a rock band with other authors? Um, I think we might have talked about this when we talked about Children of the Corn. <laughs> Who's in it? I want to say Amy Tan. Stop. <laughs> Corey, stop. <laughs> I have to look it up. <laughs> Please hold. Okay, they were called the Rock Bottom Remainders. Uh-huh. Uh they were a ch- rock charity supergroup consisting of popular published writers, uh, most of them also amateur musicians. And the members were I guess they would like kind of um rotate out. Okay. So we got Dave Barry, Stephen King, <laughs> <laughs> Amy Tan, I was right. Oh my god. Sam Barry, Ridley Pearson, Scott Turo, Joel Selvin, James McBride, Mitch Album, Roy Oh my God, Blount the seven Jr., people you meet in heaven guy. <laughs> Barbara Kingslower, Robert Fulgham, Matt Groening. Matt Groening, stop. <laughs> Tad Bartimus. Yeah, more honorary member Maya Angelou. <laughs> what? Stop. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> she couldn't make it to the gig? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. Starting that with Dave Barry is like the. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, good for them. I like that. I'd like to see that. Were they a cover band? I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) They covered Werewolves of London. Yes, of course. Chain of Fools, Amy Tanlene vocals. Runaway by Del Shannon. Gloria. Yeah. We got to look this Louis up. Louie Louie. I got to see these videos. I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> what does Stephen King play? I don't know. Wait, let me guess. I bet he plays the bass. <laughs> I already closed it. I don't know. Oh, wait. Here we go. It doesn't really tell who played what. They all play guitar. 
except for Mitch album on keyboard. <laughs> Somebody played the triangle, probably. <laughs> My Angela. That's why she's honorary. They're like, sorry. <laughs> wow. Well, just when you think you know everything about Stephen King, <laughs> find out something else. And they are not on cocaine. Well, I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> but Stephen King's not on cocaine anymore. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> I used to read a lot of Amy Tan books. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you read The Joy Luck Club? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They're good books, huh? Yeah. She's a good author. The Kitchen God's Wife, uh, The Bonesetter's Daughter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was more. thinking the other day that I would like to watch The Joy Luck Club again. Mm-hmm. You remember that scene with the watermelon where he eats it all erotically? <laughs> And he's like, I could be licking your clit like this. And they're like, whoa. Do you remember that? No. Oh, it really, sticks out. it really stuck out for me. I was like, holy shit. Okay. So, watch it. Yeah, man. We were talking about having a pajama party. That'd be a good one. Should we invite everybody over to watch the Joylet Club? Mm-hmm. Get some takeout. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's put it on the calendar. <laughs> okay. All right. Back to our cast and crew here. Starring Dale Midkiff as Lewis Creed. He played Elvis in the Elvis and Me TV movie, Corey. Uh, he did a lot of TV movies. He was also in Love Potion Number 9, a movie I really love in 1993, but I have no idea if it's actually good. <laughs> also, Denise Crosby as Rachel Creed. She's in the Chris Isaac video that Mary Lambert directed. She has an uncredited role in Jackie Brown. She's in a couple episodes of Mad Men. But I think most recognizably... She's Tasha Yar from Star Trek Next Generation. When I watched this for the pod, I, in my mind, I pictured a different lady. I did not picture her. I never do. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Tasha Yar was probably my first lesbianic crush. Oh. Where I was like, something is happening. <laughs> <laughs> what is this feeling I have? I was like obsessed. What? Yeah. I thought she was just so cool and so pretty. I don't know if she was a because she was a lady with short hair. Mm-hmm. Like that was very appealing to me. There's a scene, wh- well, sh- the scene where they're at the park or whatever, and they're having a little picnic, and she's yep. wearing this floor long floral dress with a uh-huh. hat. She looks beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I know. I kind of had a thing for the blonde lady in Wilson Phillips too. Okay, they're very similar you ladies. Have a type. <laughs> I did then, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, when I see her, I'm just like, man, it's like seeing an old crush, mm-hmm. right? And you look at them and you try to figure it out <laughs> because she's not my type anymore. Mm. But at the time, let's see, Star Trek Next Generation came out in like 1987. At the time, I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't right away because in 87, I was in kindergarten. Okay. So it went like for several years. So it was probably around the time that I was like eight years old mm-hmm. where I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Tasha Yar differently. So yeah. Interesting. Very excited to see Denise Crosby. I never know her real name though. I just know her as Tasha Yar. Yeah. She would protect me in space if the aliens ever got me because <laughs> I was so afraid of like being abducted by aliens. So she would know what to do. She would have, she would set her phaser to stun and save me. Yeah, I believe it. Yep. Okay. Also, we have Fred Gwynn as Judd Crandall. Mm-hmm. Very recognizable man. <laughs> In college, he was on the staff at the Harvard Lampoon. I loved learning all this stuff about That's him. That's fun. He was a member of their Hasty Pudding troupe, did the drag <laughs> shows and everything. 
That's a big bitch. <laughs> He's <laughs> yeah. very tall. For many years, his primary source of income was from his work as an illustrator and commercial artist. Oh. I was like, what? He made his Broadway debut in a play that also featured Ernest Borgnine. It's weird that Ernest Borgnine came up twice already today. <laughs> Uh, and his movie debut was as one of Johnny Friendly's Brando menacing thugs in On the Waterfront. Okay. Now I have to watch On the Waterfront again. It's a great movie. But to see if I can find him. Um, he started getting minor roles on TV showcases that have names like the Kaiser Aluminum Hour. Right? Back when everything was like the DuPont Celebrity Circle or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Eventually landing roles in Car 54, Where Are You? And the Sherry Lewis show, he was Lamb Chop's doctor. Isn't that so cute? Mm -hmm. But in 1964, he got his most memorable role as Herman Munster. But the Munsters only lasted two seasons. That's wild to me. In my yeah. mind, it's like 30 straight years of the Munsters. Mm -hmm. um, he's struggled a lot to get people to stop seeing him as Herman Munster at one point refusing to even talk about the Munsters. <laughs> Because people just kept trying to make him be these guys. Like, he did, like, one of those televised plays or whatever that was Arsenic and Old Lace. Okay. And he played the, like, kind of monstrous brother or cousin or whatever that's in that mm -hmm. in that movie. So, he was still, they are still putting him in stuff like that. And he was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So, he went back to the theater, mostly. Uh, but eventually, he came back to the movies in the 80s. And then he did his last movie, My Cousin Vinny, in 1992. You've seen this, right? Yes, but it's been so long. Oh, my God. Core. <laughs> his casting in this movie is perfection. I have this little quote. Uh, critic and cinema historian Mick LaSalle cited Gwen's performance as Judge Chamberlain Howler in his August 2003 article, Roll Call of Overlooked Performances is Long, writing, half of what made Joe Pesci funny in this comedy was a stream of reactions of Gwen as the Southern judge, mm -hmm. a great Dane to Joe Pesci's yapping terrier. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like their interactions are so great. He's always so puzzled and perplexed. Like they play off of each other perfectly. It's a perfectly cast movie, honestly. Um, I just love Fred Gwynn. I think he's so unique and interesting. I, I feel like we don't get actors a lot anymore that are unique and interesting yeah, like that, right? He has that true. distinct voice. He has a distinct look and you just don't see these guys anymore. Like we've talked about like where are the ugly people in movies? There used to be so many ugly people. Not that Fred Gwynn was ugly necessarily. No. Just different. Yeah. So yeah. And he is great in this too. Yeah. Very iconic. And then our my last little one that I have here. Miko Hughes as Baby Gage. Aww. This kid is like such a 90s thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Pet Cemetery is his first role, and let's face it, he's a fucking superstar. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're very hard on child actors, but I think right out the gate, he's three years old. He's fucking amazing. Yeah, I was like, how do you get him to do all this stuff? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he just seems like a kid. Yes, kid, yeah. he's all, I love you, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so a year after Pet Cemetery, he's in Kindergarten Cop, mm -hmm. delivering the famous line. Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Mm -hmm. I used to hear this at school like every fucking day. <laughs> People love to say it. Uh, between those two things and his recurring role on Full House is Michelle's say. sometimes nemesis, <laughs> sometimes friend Aaron. He was basically everywhere. Yeah. Um, he doesn't work much now, but he was a really good child actor. Like I watched some Full House clips even. Uh -huh. 
And also when I watched them, I was like, these Olsen kids are pretty fucking good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. It's crazy. They're so little and they're so good. Wasn't he also in New Nightmare? Yes. Okay. I I was thinking that, but I was like, I'm gonna am I gonna say something stupid? No. But I love that movie. Yeah, he's in that too. But just as a little kid, he was just I mean, he's got a very unique face as well. And so you would be like, Oh yeah, that's that kid. Right? Yeah. That's that's the one. That's him. <laughs> he's very cute. Yeah. And he was cute too, like People fucking hated him, though. Like, there's a lot of videos on the internet that were like, Aaron fucking sucks. He's <laughs> the worst. Like, there's a clip of Kimmy Gibbler having to babysit him, and he's just running around all fucking crazy. Yeah. He, well, he was very uh, arrogant, right? Yeah. He was precocious, <laughs> like Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> I watched one where she goes to the new kindergarten for the first time, and they that's the first time that they meet. And then she accidentally lets out the pet bird. <laughs> and he flies away and out an open window and she's like i'm bad i'm a bad girl oh yeah and he she's goes like so down on herself you're a very bad girl <laughs> and she goes i'm a very bad girl and then the audience goes oh <laughs> i was like when she opens that cage and the bird flies out they're gonna gasp and then they fucking did <gasps> <laughs> Like, it's okay. It's just a fucking bird. Let it go. It's better this way. You should all be applauding her. <laughs> all right. So the script for Pet Cemetery was around for a few years before it was made. The studios were pretty sure there wasn't any more appetite for Stephen King movies. Mm. And like some TV stuff had been released that didn't do very well. I don't think that's ever going to be true. I know. <laughs> but they are like, eh. But during the 1988 WGA writer's strike, Paramount, Paramount reconsidered because there weren't really a lot of options for the 89 release schedule. And the script was finished already. So they were like, well, yeah, let's give it a, let's give it a shot. Nice. They were like, okay, let's go call up Steve because <laughs> he has like final approval on the rector and like a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think this is probably one of the easiest King stories to adapt. There's not too much extra lore and like background stuff to lay out. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, well, you ready to get started? Yeah. Let's talk about Pet Cemetery. Okay. So the mayhem starts with a pretty cool title card and creepy white font on a black background. Then, while the eerie prayers of children play, um, including the voice of Jonathan Brandis, Pobrecito, <laughs> we see the Pet Cemetery. Important that you know if you don't know that cemetery is spelled wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's overgrown and dilapidated. Some of the tombstones are jokey, like outside the haunted mansion at Disneyland. (laughs) And Corey, when I die, please don't put a limerick on my tombstone. Sarah, are you sure? I think so. (laughs) What if I write you a really good one? Is it about somebody from Nantucket? Uh, No, but it's, it's a limerick. Okay. Let me hear it. Okay. There once was a podcaster named Sarah. People said it was impossible to scare her. <laughs> but one autumn night, she perished from fright. Now she's in our hot dead girl era. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but I don't want the word podcaster on my tombstone. Okay. <laughs> there once was a hot bitch named sure. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so I die of fright? Yeah. That's still kind of like Disneyland, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you watched... Um, 
Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe Cor. Okay. But you know what? I'll be dead. Do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like, her final wish was <laughs> we put limericks on her tombstone front and back. <laughs> So the voices in the pet cemetery rise to a shrieking howl, and we cut to the Creed family. Lewis, Rachel, their children, Ellie and Gage, and their pet cat, Church. They're a good-looking family. Yeah. Except for Ellie is not the cutest kid I've ever seen. I'm I like it, though. She looks like a weird little girl. She does look like a weird little girl. <laughs> That's why I didn't like uh, the remake so yes. much, because this little girl was too angelic. That's true. Dad is hot. Lewis is fucking hot. In this movie? Yes. He's not bad looking. And you know how I feel about the mom. <laughs> Gage is adorable. Yeah. Even Church. <laughs> Good looking cat. Yeah. Beautiful cat. <laughs> They're moving from Chicago to rural Ludlow, Maine, after Lewis accepts a job as a physician nearby. Um, for some reason, Lewis bought a house next to a pet cemetery and a busy two-lane highway that has giant trucks speeding past the house all day long and there's no fence. Yeah. Like this has been decision. an ongoing problem and nobody ever thought to put up a fucking fence. No. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> the children immediately almost die. Ellie breaks an entire tire swing off a branch <laughs> and Gage wanders into traffic. Yeah. And like we said, Gage is so cute. He's so cute. And I told you before, that's what I look like when I was And little. you showed me a picture and you were not full of shit. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> Luckily, their neighbor, Judd Crandall, is just in time to save Gage from being squished. And when he shows up, you're like, that's Herman Munster. <laughs> Even though apparently learning that he didn't like it makes me feel kind of bad, but I love it. <laughs> He's a friendly man who's glad to see a family back in the neighborhood. That evening, after the kids are in bed, Lewis wanders over to Judd's house and over beers, Judd tells Lewis the road and the trucks are the reason for the mysterious path that runs by the Creed home. It's a pet cemetery because that damn road uses up a lot of animals, dogs and cats mostly. <laughs> Soon, Judd takes the family to the isolated pet cemetery in the forest behind the Creed's new home. Judd gets kind of creepy with it, <laughs> telling Ellie a cemetery is where the dead speak. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, not like that. <laughs> Ellie gets traumatized. So already this move is going great. <laughs> Yeah, Rachel has, like, a very weird reaction. She is not amused. She does not want to discuss such heavy topics with her children. Yeah. She even makes her husband promise Ellie that nothing bad will happen to their cat church. It's like, have you had a pet? You Seriously. don't promise things like that. You can't promise anything like that in life. <laughs> yeah, Rachel is not having it with Judd in his cemetery talk. She thinks it's too much for the kids. And Judd and Lewis share a look like, what's her problem? Yeah. Like, I never noticed it before, but Judd very clearly looks at Lewis. His eyes are like, ooh, like, what is going on with her? Because she's like, give me the baby. I'm out of here. Yeah. And Judd, or Lewis's shrugs, like, she's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> at his first day at the new job, Lewis encounters Victor Pascal, a jogger who is seriously injured after being hit by a truck. Wonder where he was running. <laughs> Down the same street. Yeah. Part of his skull is missing and his gooey brain is showing. Before Lewis can really help, the man dies. Lewis pulls the curtain and closes the dead man's eyes. He's like sitting at his side and suddenly Pascal wakes up. He grabs Lewis and spits blood all over him. He warns Lewis about the pet cemetery before dying, calling Lewis by name, though they have never met. 
That night, Pascal's horrific-looking ghost leads Lewis to the cemetery and warns him not to cross the barrier from the place where the dead speak to the place where the dead walk. Lewis awakens from the supposed dream, but notices his feet are covered in dirt. It's really scary how their bed is now full of mud and grass. <laughs> yeah. And why did Pascal say anything at all? Yeah. Nobody knew the sour ground was back there. Keep it to yourself, <laughs> Pascal. Yeah, he had good intentions, but... He, like, comes back just to kick this whole thing off? Mm-hmm. Like, just stay out of it until something happens, maybe. <laughs> so, over Thanksgiving... We like- s- yeah, we see Ellie do a ceremonial hanging of the construction paper turkey <laughs> to signify the season has changed. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because Lewis is going to stay home while the rest of his family visits the in-laws. Yeah. Lewis says it's easier that way because Rachel's dad will never accept him. But I'm like, why? He's a doctor. <laughs> I mean, Hannibal Lecter is a doctor. <laughs> but he's got excellent taste. He would make a really great son-in-law. Yeah. I don't know. I was well, going to say Dr. Kevorkian da- is a doctor, like- but he had a point too. Yeah. Her, d- her dad seems like a jerk. Yeah, that is part of the story that we don't really get. <laughs> yeah. But this is, I think, every dad's dream is to say, that's okay, you go. And I'll stay <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm just going to fish. Yeah. <laughs> wear my little vest. <laughs> While Rachel, Ellie, and Gage are gone, church is run down. Realizing Ellie will be devastated, Jed takes Lewis beyond the pet cemetery, deep into the audibly howling woods over a bunch of cliffs. <laughs> They're just like, ignore it. <laughs> just ignore it. <laughs> To an ancient Mi'kmaq burial ground. Judd instructs Lewis to bury the cat and, echoing Pascal, warns him not to tell anyone about what they have done. While they're on this little climb, you can tell Judd has a lot of old man strength. So you better listen to what he says. (laughs) The next day, a reanimated church returns to the house. Now he stinks, moves sluggishly, his eyes glow gold, and he is vicious towards Lewis. They keep showing Church's eyes like this is some scary thing, but that's just what cat's eyes yeah, do. Catch him in the right light. Yeah. Lewis goes to Jed for an explanation, and Jed tells a story about how, as a boy, he buried his pet dog at the burial grounds, but it came back wrong. Then when it died a second time, he put it in the pet cemetery. Jed reasons that, although the cat might be different, it will save Ellie the grief of losing her pet. Like 10 minutes ago, Judd was saying kids have to learn about death sometime, and now a demon cat is a better option. Yeah, it's an odd switch. (laughs) I feel like he really just wanted to show off this one cold trick he knew. I know. Why is everybody (laughs) so interested in showing this to Lewis? Yeah. Like, nothing good will come of it. But Church is so bad now. I know. He comes back. He's so bad. (laughs) He's mean. He's throwing ratatouilles in the tub while Lewis is trying to have a soak. He's changed, man. He's changed. <laughs> when the rest of his family comes home, Ellie can tell something is wrong with Church because he freaking reeks like the ground he was buried in. Lewis says they'll get him a bath, but that's not the solution. Here. Ellie is like, do they have cat shampoo? And they're like, yeah, they do, but only professionals can use it because cats can only be bathed by professionals. <laughs> and I don't really know a lot about cats, but I believe that's true. <laughs> is that true? No, um, it depends on your cat. Sure. H- how much they'll resist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they generally clean themselves. You don't yeah. really need to. That's the nice thing. So bad stuff starts to happen. Missy, the housekeeper, kills herself and has a Stephen King funeral. He's the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk about death brings up a lot of bad childhood memories for Rachel. 
of when her much older sister Zelda was dying of spinal meningitis in a back bedroom. The Zelda sequence is some classic, scary movie shit. I guess Zelda is supposed to be 13, but she looks like she's 113. Yes. (laughs) And Rachel is eight. Uh So she's not that much older, but she looks freaking a billion years old. Well, yeah, I think she was played by a grown man. Yes. (laughs) Mary Lambert couldn't find any little girls scary or skinny enough to play (laughs) Zelda. So she's actually played by a guy named Andrew Hoobastank. Hoobastank. Okay. Hoobastank. Um, I guess Doug Jones wasn't in the game yet. I guess. Because this is a Doug Jones part. Yeah. We need the remake. <laughs> yeah. Let him contort. People will get really scared of this shit. Like, Zelda is, I think, I think me being afraid of Gage is different that most people are afraid of Zelda. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, very creepy. Yes. The scene ugh, when she's eating her soup or her oatmeal, <laughs> I'm like, get it together. Because she has the energy to like rush the door and be all crazy, but not to sit up and eat soup. Like <laughs> you're picking and choosing Zelda. But Rachel's memory of this as being so traumatizing, like as a little girl, because her parents left her alone to take care of Zelda is understandable. Yeah, you can get how she feels so much guilt because she says, like, I wanted her to die. Yeah, (laughs) and you're a little fucking kid. Like, of course you feel that way. Yeah. It's terrible. Honestly, it's like when the bus driver put me in charge of everybody on the bus and said, (laughs) if I fall over, you have to push my body out of the way and pull the bus over (laughs) and open the door and let everybody out because I was the most responsible person on the bus. And then you just have to think about that every day. I understand how Rachel feels. <laughs> it would have been worse if the bus ever actually started to crash and I had to save everyone. Yeah. But I was in charge every day of making sure we didn't die was how I felt. So That's I so get it. odd. I know. And I never told my parents either. <laughs> and like, why wouldn't you? I don't know if I felt I didn't feel like I shouldn't, but I just didn't. Yeah. You're like, this is my cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> And you know how you can see the bus driver's eyes like in the window? I was I would spend the whole ride just fucking watching Richard in that fucking, not the window, in the little mirror over him. And I'd be like, oh my God, are his eyes closed? No, he's just looking down or he, whatever. Like every single day to and from school, I was like, this could be the moment that I have to save everybody on the bus. Because <laughs> there was like a series of bus accidents. Oh my gosh. And he hit a, he hit a truck that had a little camper shell on the back. And the little camper shell went flying off. I'll always remember it. Looked like a fucking little turtle in Super Mario. While you were on the bus, this happened? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had the bus pulled over and me and my sister got home super late from school that day. I remember my mom came running out like, are you okay? We were like, yeah, we're okay. We're on the fucking bus. Except for I was standing up on the bus like you're not supposed to be doing. And then when we hit that car, everybody was like, I almost flew out the window. (laughs) Like how kids are, right? But I did like get banged around pretty good on those high seats in front of me. <laughs> and then he hit one of a fucking giant dog, like a Doberman Pinscher or something. Um, and then there was something else. I don't remember. But there was like a series of accidents. And then that's when he was like, oh, hey, gosh. I'm slipping. So maybe that's the time to retire. Maybe it maybe is. He Richard. Couldn't. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe he couldn't. So he put a fucking fourth grader <laughs> yeah. in charge of everybody. Understand. I was the co-pilot on that bus for the <laughs> next two years. <laughs> so I get it. It's very traumatizing to live this life of responsibility as a child. <laughs> I would have hoped that Zelda was going to die too. I didn't want Richard to die. Well, not on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> 
quietly in his bed. At home, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where I don't have to steer everybody to safety. (laughs) But yeah, people are really scared of Zelda. She's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is one that a lot of people watched young as well. So. Because it's like there's kids in it. It uh-huh. kind of seems like a kid's movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then, yeah, something like that happens and you're like traumatized. Do you think that Zelda, as we see her, is supposed to be how she really looks or how she re- is remem- is remembered? Because she yeah. doesn't look like a 13-year-old no. girl. And you can tell she's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she's not. So yeah, we are seeing it from her point of view. So it could be altered in yeah. memory. Like with how she was feeling about the situation, how scared she was. Hmm. Zelda's really scary. Her back is super skinny. Mm-hmm. And she needs a deep conditioner like so bad. <laughs> it's like low priority, but it's there. <laughs> All right, back to the movie. <laughs> so sometime later, on a lovely afternoon, the Creed family and Jen are having a picnic when Gage chases a loose kite onto the very dangerous highway and is killed. By a truck. They're all, get the baby! Why were they not watching him the whole time? On this front yard with no fence. Ridiculous. And (laughs) the fucking kite basically lures the baby onto the street. (laughs) Yeah. They were like, look at him, he's flying the kite. It's so funny. Let's go back to our hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his poor little Chuck Taylors fly off into the road. The truck driver is so busy rocking out to the Ramones that he can't stop in time, but he does have time to blow his horn. (laughs) He's all honk, honk, (laughs) honk, honk. (laughs) Man, those trucks take a while to... That's true. They take a long time to stop. Yeah, but trucks don't kill people. Um... Guns kill people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The family... Trucks don't kill people. I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's a shirt from Happy Gilmore, but it's... (laughs) something else (laughs) that's our next (laughs) t-shirt the family does not take this well understandably yeah lewis gets his ass kicked by his father-in-law at gage's funeral and accidentally knocks gage's casket over oh my god this part where they knock gage's casket over (laughs) is so terrible it like pops open and his little hand flies out lewis goes no (laughs) he does that like three times in the movie Ellie is insisting that if she has enough faith in God, um, God will bring Gage back. Why not? Um, this part with Ellie where she's like, if I have enough faith, God will resurrect my brother. is identical to what happened to one of my sisters after one of our dogs died. Um, because my mom couldn't say, no, that won't happen. Because <laughs> it goes against like the whole basis of the kind of religion that they do. Uh-huh. So my mom totally encouraged it. Oh. Like Lewis doesn't do that exactly but he doesn't discourage it yeah he's like uh yeah if you believe hard enough but that's <laughs> fucked up my little sister was out at that dog grave every single day <laughs> praying and waiting for it to come back from the dead oh my gosh i know well god can do anything he wants right <laughs> didn't want to bring back betty <laughs> she choked on those cheetos and that Aww. was the end of it <laughs> and then top it off church is still acting like an asshole oh yeah he's not helping he's not being a <laughs> constructive part of the family the night after Gage's funeral, Judd anticipates that Lewis is considering burying a son in the Micmac ground, although Lewis denies it. Judd believes that introducing Lewis to the ritual ground aroused uh, malevolent forces present there. Uh, sorry, aroused the malevolent forces present there, which caused Gage's death. He tells him the story of a local named Bill Batterman, 
who buried his young son, Timmy, in the Mi'kmaq ground after he was killed near the end of World War II. Timmy returned as a malevolent zombie, terrifying the townsfolk. (laughs) (laughs) A group of men, including Judd, tried destroying Timmy by lighting the Baderman house on fire, only for Bill to perish with his son. (laughs) Judd insists that the burial ground is evil, and Lewis must not bury his son there, adding that, Sometimes, dead is better. (laughs) Sometimes, dead is better. (laughs) The flashback is so fun. Yeah. Like, they dub fred gwynn's voice over it and he's like you gotta leave him alone he's gone he's gone right like trying to get the guy to come out with his zom- without his zombie son um as the house burns timmy baderman says love dead hate living <laughs> but it says originally a Karloff line from the bride of frankenstein oh yeah <laughs> love it well this is what the new uh prequel is about really yeah about that story? How about Tammy? But we know what happens already. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't and make any fucking sense. Apparently uh gets his accent late in life because in the oh! movie he does not have it. <laughs> <laughs> He's all sometimes dead is better. <laughs> Pretty much. And they say that line three times in the movie. No. Yeah, it's like at the beginning, and then you actually hear them say it in the movie, and then it's at the end again. Oh no. I like to say it. Yeah. Sometimes that is better. When <laughs> yeah, they made the that remake, likes to say it too. <laughs> they made that remake. John Lithgow says it. Oh yeah, and he says it too. Dead is better. <laughs> After the funeral, Rachel and Ellie leave for Chicago again, while Lewis stays behind, ostensibly to take care of loose ends. He's just trying to get more fishing in. <laughs> Ellie is very hesitant to leave because she's had a bad dream about her dad. Gage and someone named Pascal. <laughs> Ellie is right. Despite Pascal and Judd's warnings, Lewis exhumes his son's body and buries him at the ritual site. He says if Gage comes back and he's like the zombie Timmy Bannerman, he'll just put him back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and this is horrible. I feel like Gage was so little, there wouldn't be anything left of him to resurrect after he got mowed down by the truck. Oh my that gosh, big. yeah. Right? And he's, like, fully fine. He's got a little, little cut on his head. <laughs> so, like, unless he's so little, he just got bonked by the grill and cleared the rest of the truck. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's... It hit him hard enough to knock his little shoes off. Like, come on. Yeah, maybe. Just saying. So, in Chicago, Pascal appears to Ellie in a dream and warns her that Lewis is about to do something terrible. Rachel is unnerved by her daughter's dream but can only reach Judd when she calls who tells her Lewis is not home. She decides to return to Maine, much to Judd's alarm. He's like, oh, no, maybe give it a day or so. (laughs) On the plane home, Rachel and Pascal are sitting in coach. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that they couldn't sit together. Pascal has to sit in a row behind her (laughs) to the the right. (laughs) On the way home on the plane, Rachel has a nightmare about her sister Zelda. Zelda tells Rachel she's coming for her, and this time she's going to get her. Gage and I are going to get you for letting us die. (laughs) Rachel is frantic to get home like the mom from home alone. (laughs) But she has Pascal doing magic for her to help facilitate the journey. (laughs) Pascal gets them to hold the plane. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The mom from home alone would not have had to ride home in a U-Haul if she had had (laughs) Pascal with her. 
that when they're in Chicago, it really puts the focus on this creepy painting in Rachel's childhood home. Who is this baby in a top hat <laughs> with a whip and a little gray cat like church? Yeah. What such, is going on such here? Such an odd portrait to have. Uh, the internet says that that is uh, Zelda. No. Like Zelda as a baby before she had her. How do they know that? Um, I don't know. Because she's wearing a very similar dress, like a blue dress. What? Yeah. And the hair is red. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't like that. And so when Gage is dressed like that, it's like Zelda coming back through Gage. It's supposed to be like reinforcing the connection between Zelda and Gage. Yeah. She's just trying to be a good aunt. But it's a creepy painting. It's like, a terrible why, painting. Why does she have a whip? Why does she have a whip? She's going to whip that little cat? <laughs> why does she have a top hat? Never mind. I know the answer to that. Why wouldn't you have a top hat? <laughs> why doesn't she have two? Why? <laughs> Why doesn't she have two? <laughs> Later that night, while Lewis sleeps, Gage's little baby hand pops out of the ground. Reanimated Gage returns home and steals a scalpel from his father's bag. Soon after, Judd is startled by a loud sound in his house. Inside, a ball rolls across the ground and Gage's voice tells Judd, let's play hide and go seek. And this is where I start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. Gage taunts Judd, always just out of sight. Judd follows Gage's giggling upstairs to his bedroom. Judd pulls out a little fucking pocket knife, and he's like, come on out, Gage. I got something for you. Tries to get convince Gage to come out. Tracking Gage's voice to under the bed, Judd kneels down to pull up the quilt, but is distracted by a yowling church. Gage takes this opportunity to reach his little hand out from under the bed and slice Judd's Achilles tendon. Ouch. Yeah, that's not good. This scene scares a lot of people, too. People don't like this. Yeah, nobody (laughs) likes that. (laughs) Gage emerges from under the bed, (laughs) growling like a little monster. He's all... (laughs) (laughs) It's really cute, though. (laughs) Judd is injured on the ground, so Gage slices his mouth with the scalpel before biting his throat off, killing him. He goes, and takes a little bite of him. Having hitched home in a tanker truck marked 666, uh, we say goodbye to Pascal, and Rachel is lured into Judd's house by the voice inspector of her dead sister, Zelda. Following the moaning upstairs to to Judd's bedroom, Rachel sees Zelda crouched across the room. Zelda tells Rachel she's going to twist her back so she'll never get out of bed again. Rachel closes her eyes and tries to will away the vision, only to open them to see Gage dressed like that mystery top hat baby, mystery (laughs) solved from the painting. He's wearing a little blue velvet dress. He's wearing a little top hat, and he's walking with a cane. (laughs) Gage says, I brought you something, mommy, and produces his scalpel. In shock and disbelief, Rachel reaches down to hug her son and he attacks and kills her. Yeah, you know it's bad, but she can't help herself. She can't help herself. <laughs> but where was this stuff, Corey? Judd had it in his house? Mm, magic. Is this going to happen to me because I do have two top hats? <laughs> I feel like it increases the possibility. Where, where's the whip, though? I have that, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Waking up from his sleep, Lewis notices Gage's muddy footprints oh, wait. in the Where house. Where is the whip like? Why doesn't Gage have a whip? Yeah. Yeah, he has a cane because he wants to make it his own. <laughs> yeah. Right? He's like, no, this is a riff on <laughs> Zelda's look. Okay. 
Makes you sense. have to update it. Mm-hmm. His cat is good <laughs> for him, so he doesn't need the whip. Yeah, he just needs a little cane because. <laughs> He got go, hurt. Go. <laughs> he got hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, and you got to give him the old razzle-dazzle. You got to give him the old razzle-dazzle. <laughs> yeah. So waking up from his sleep, Lewis notices Gage's muddy footprints in the house and discovers his scalpel is missing. While he's looking around for his little zombie, Lewis receives a phone call from Gage. Gage says he has played with Judd and Mommy, and now I want to play with you. <laughs> Lewis hangs up, fills three syringes with morphine, and heads to Judd's house. Encountering Church, he kills the cat with an injection before entering the house. R.I.P. Church really had the soul of a Halloween cat. Right? He was always going, yeah. This is sad. It's not Church's fault he's undead. Yeah. But also, I feel like this cat is a really good actor. Very good. <laughs> Inside Judd's house, the walls are rotten and oozing. Moss and mold covers everything. Lewis is horrified, but it's only a trick played by Gage. Upstairs, Gage's disembodied laugh taunts Lewis while he searches for his son. Lewis discovers Judd's mangled body under his bed and still no Gage. First, he finds um, one of Rachel's easy spirits on the stairs. (laughs) He's like, there's a clue. (laughs) Continuing his search, Lewis is startled when Rachel's hanging body drops from the attic. Above, Gage growls at his father, and then (laughs) he just dive bombs Lewis. (laughs) I was laughing so hard while I was writing the notes for this when this happens because you can clearly tell, like, that it's not a person. Yeah, (laughs) just a little baby mannequin that they drop on. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're overcoming your fear. Well, yeah, mostly. Gage slashes and bites at Lewis as they wrestle, and finally, Lewis fucking tosses that baby down the hallway <laughs> like you gotta do. You gotta do. It's scary, but pretty funny, too. Yeah. <laughs> this fight scene makes me think of my best friend laughing at me for being scared of Gage, E.T., and Chucky. <laughs> she was like, you could just punt all of these guys. <laughs> yeah. Heartbroken, Lewis pulls Gage to him and injects him with the morphine syringe. Gage says, no fair. No fair, daddy. Classic. <laughs> He makes one last little monster face and dies. (laughs) Again. Lewis then lights Judd's house on fire, leaving it to burn as he carries Rachel's body to the burial ground. Oh my God, guy, get it together. (laughs) Pascal appears and warns Lewis not to make it worse. Oh, Pascal's back. We don't say goodbye to Pascal. He acted like he was driving away forever. (laughs) But Lewis, grief-stricken to the point of insanity, believes that he waited too long when he buried Gage, but burying Rachel will work this time because she had died just hours ago. Yeah, he's just making up his own rules now. Oh, really? Did you go to handsome doctor medical school? (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) That night, Lewis sits in the kitchen and waits. In voiceover, Judd says, The soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis. (laughs) A man grows what he can and tends to it. Because what you buy is what you own. And what you own always comes home to ya. Wise words. (laughs) As the clock strikes midnight, Rachel returns home. Her face is disgusting. Gross. Dripping pus. But the couple embraces. They open mouth kiss. Sloppily. (laughs) Rachel takes a large knife from the counter and the screen cuts to black before Lewis screams. Cue the Ramones. The end. That's it. You knew it was going to happen. It had to happen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I still don't know why that demon baby went and took the time to put this outfit on. 
it, just, imp- it just implies to be, just to be scarier just to yeah i guess so it implies some forethought that concerns me <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean well isn't it not really gauge it's like a spirit no that's well what do you mean let's gauge they when they're talking about the cemetery um don't they explain a little bit that it's like this bad spirit yeah i guess so it's just Gage's body. It's not really him. So this whatever is the one that's putting on the old razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. G- Gage was more basic. Mm-hmm. Just a, a real overalls. Yeah. Oshkosh kind of guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You didn't see him in a top hat very no. much until now. So yeah, so his, something has changed in his personality. <laughs> um, I guess the implication in the book and in this movie is that the family has to shine. Oh, like Ellie and Lewis do anyways. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Because, you know, he loves to put the same thing through all his books. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I really want to read it. Yeah. One of these days I will. I can't remember if it's one of the long, long ones. I think it's pretty long. Is it? Mm-hmm. Most of his are pretty long. Some of them are short. Carrie is short. I know. That's why I read that one. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Lambert says that Pascal is supposed to be a good angel for Lewis and Judd is a bad angel. His wardrobe, mm. like especially like when Church dies, he's wearing this big hood, is supposed to convey this theme. And I never picked up on that. I always figured Judd was just human and like therefore very dumb sometimes. Yeah. But I can see it now. When I watched it again, like just now before we started recording with this in mind, it like changes some things about the movie, but it also raises some different questions. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? I mean, it's definitely kind of his fault. Yeah. (laughs) When you watch it like that, you're like, wait, why is he being so available with this information? Mm -hmm. Right? He knows it's bad. He knows it's bad. He's already had to burn down one zombie. Yeah. A fucking zombie. And yeah, he was just talking about how kids need to learn about death. So why? Why would he tell him? Yeah. To bring back church. He knows it went bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. He saw it with animals and humans. Do you think the spirit um, got to him from the past? I feel like Judd ends up becoming sort of the caretaker of the pet cemetery. Not not the caretaker isn't the right word necessarily because he's not taking care of it. Mm-hmm. But he lives there. Yeah. And he has all this experience with it. And yeah, as soon as this new family moves in, he's like, "Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good story. I'll tell you about it and take you over there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like that just by his proximity, he becomes, like, the guardian, the guardian of the pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. Whether that means that he does its bidding, I don't know. But he is pretty eager to take them over there <laughs> and explain it to him. Yeah. I don't know. He also s- saves Gage. He does save Gage. <laughs> the <laughs> first time. Beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe they just weren't ready yet <laughs> for Gage. I don't know. It makes it. Like, huh. Right? Yeah. Be interesting to compare to the book. It's interesting when you watch it and think about that. Like, it does make the movie different. So, that's it. 
That's Pet Cemetery. Yep. There were there was a sequel, 1992, also directed by Mary Lambert. Mm-hmm. It's very fun, and it is much more of a Halloween movie. We talked about it. Yes. In an episode before. We did a special episode on Halloween uh, movies, horror movies set around Halloween. That movie has my other major crush yeah. from 1992 on Eddie Furlong. Mm-hmm. That was my man. Has good soundtrack, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Give that one a watch. Yeah, it was surprisingly good, I think. Yeah. The 2019 remake, it was just kind of like, eh. It was okay. It was I only fine. watched it the once, yeah. I think. Like, John Lithgow was fine, but yeah. Fred Gwynn is better. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes Fred Gwynn is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this new one. Sometimes Fred is better. <laughs> This new one, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, I just couldn't get into it. I did have it on kind of like as a background watch, yeah. so I'm not going to judge it too hard because I didn't give it my full attention. But That is so stupid, though. A story that we already know what happens. <laughs> and it's supposed to be set like 60s, I think. It just says 50s? it was happens right after World War II. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be set in the 60s, but like it does not. It's not convincing as a period piece. Weird. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they made that like, movie. David Duchovny's in it. Pam Greer's in it. The Henry Thomas is in it. Has all these people. Oh, Henry Thomas will be in anything. <laughs> David Duchovny kind of will too. He's the one that plays Timmy's dad. That is so weird. <laughs> Does Henry Thomas play Judd? He plays Judd's dad. What? Yeah. Judd's young. But Judd is like, oh, me and the other men in the town. Yeah. They're retconning it because now that's a really fucking long time ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It seemed like it was kind of going more off the the remake because uh-huh. they had, you know how the remake had those masks? Yeah. That were barely in the movie. They're in this movie too. Yeah. So. Huh. Pretty odd. Well, that don't make no sense. Yeah, but definitely Pet Cemetery 2, I recommend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like watching both these movies. Mm-hmm. That's all. Aren't you glad there aren't a thousand of them like Children of the Corn? <laughs> oh, my God. It was hard <laughs> enough for me to watch You would have one. to watch the story of every fucking when they buried that goldfish in the Pet Cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they bring it back and he's just like swimming. Oh, mean. <laughs> mean swimming through his Aggressively. aquarium. <laughs> Biting the other fish. Yeah, goldfish will do that anyways, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the hamster in the pet cemetery and the, <laughs> the tombstone says, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gerbil. <laughs> oh, gosh. It says, too embarrassing. <laughs> I always told Jason, when I die, I want my tombstone for it to say, I told you. I told you I didn't feel good. <laughs> Right? Yeah. You can make that into a limerick, too. Don't. Stop. (laughs) There once was a girl from Bakersfield. (laughs) There once was a girl that didn't feel good. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was from Nantucket. (laughs) Yeah. Then I would have an accent like Pet Cemetery, (laughs) and I could have write limericks about sucking my own dick, like, way easier. (laughs) There once was a girl from Vagina. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what rhymes with vagina core? Mm. 
nothing rhymes with vagina. It's like orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you like about this movie, Sarah? I like. I like everything about this movie pretty much. I think that it's a good Stephen King movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, I think Carrie is my favorite, but this might be number two. Well, The Shining is also out there. Yeah, but I like this better. This personal preference for They're me. They're different. Yeah. The Shining is like a prestige movie to yeah. me, kind of. Yeah. And this is like a popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. I really like Gage. I really like Fred Gwynn. Um. I don't know. It's it just all really works for me. Um, I guess it's about dealing with like mortality and stuff, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's pretty fun. Every time I watch it, I'm like, hey, like there's a little something different that yeah. I didn't notice before or clicks for me in a different way. I never get tired of watching it. That's true. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, same thing. I like the acting. Um, there has some very creepy moments. Yeah. That stay in your mind. Mm-hmm. The effects look pretty good. I mean, isn't it? It must be PG-13. I don't know what it is. I'm going to look it up. The effects are good. When they pull the blanket back on um, Judd's face and you see like what Gage did and like his jaw is all exposed and stuff, it's scary. You only see it for a second, though. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Tom Savini would have done with it. Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. Uh, rated R. Okay. Yeah. It is very dark. Yeah, it would probably be a PG-13 movie now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. I'm trying to think of what would give it an R. The suicide, probably. When Missy kills herself, that probably contributed to the R rating. Mm. There were stuff that they had to cut out of it that was too graphic. They were close to an X rating. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> because it's not that... No. The Achilles tendon slicing scene is graphic because... It's the kind of thing that makes people really cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, the Zelda stuff is pretty scary, but there's nothing really happening. Like, not nothing's really happening, but like, there's no blood. There's no yeah. nothing like that. There is blood in the movie, but there's not a ton. Yeah. I don't know. They cut it down enough to get an R rating, but it's, doesn't, it seems like a soft mm-hmm. R to me. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because. You always think, like, you're making a horrible mistake, but who knows how you would act. You'd probably do the same thing. I would 100% <laughs> do the same thing. Maybe not with a person, yeah. but with a pet. Yeah? Probably I would try. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost a pet once that I was so out of my mind that I probably would have tried it for sure. Because you're like, no, my dog is the sweetest thing in the world, right? <laughs> but my chihuahua basically had no teeth, so even if she came back wrong, it would have been fine. <laughs> Just gnaw you to death. She wasn't stinky anyways. She wasn't stinky, but maybe she would be stinky now. I don't know. <laughs> she always gets stinky anyways, though, so, like, whatever. Uh, this movie defied expectations. The studio did not think it was going to do very well. Um, it ended up a blockbuster hit. It eventually made $57 million. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, despite it being pretty universally reviled by critics, fans loved it. And I feel like if you're a certain age, it's like really memorable as a cultural hit. Cause like you were saying, like it had kids in it, like people were watching it and that Zelda stuff just really hit. I feel like it came on TV a lot for some reason. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't have cable. (laughs) I believe you though. You want to hear some reviews? I really do. Like I said, they're not good. Uh, 
Movie Hounds, Two Bones. Quirky adaptation of Stephen King's bestseller about a certain patch of woods in the Maine wilderness that rejuvenates the dead. It's probably the blueberries. <laughs> Antioxidants. <laughs> How a newly located college MD eventually uses it to restore his dead son. Mildly creepy. Mm. Sexist. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Thomas, LA Times. The film is Americana at its most gothic, a depiction of a normal family made vulnerable by the eternal yearning to cheat death. It cuts the deepest human emotions, and there certainly are going to be many people who aren't going to be willing or able to take it. Pet Cemetery is one of the most numbing mainstream American movies since The Exorcist. You can say facetiously the moral of the story is to avoid buying a house too close to the highway. <laughs> In a very real way, that is King's point which is that all it takes is simple misjudgment to unleash the forces of destruction. That's true. You know what's weird is that Stephen King did get hit by a car, like, later. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> no. Oh, he got hit by a fucking van while he was walking down the road. He was, like, fucked up. He almost died. You don't remember that? Mm -mm. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Maybe the car was mad because he wrote Maximum Overdrive. Maybe. He's like... I'll show you. Maybe the driver was just fucking rocking out to the Ramones. <laughs> no, I think the driver was rocking out to the Rock Butter Remainders. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, fucking Amy Tan. Just, <laughs> it's the queen of rock and roll right there. <laughs> um, I have one last review. It's disappointing. It's Malton. Okay. Bomb. That's it? That's 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 his that's his star review. Oh. He does not give those out very often. I think we've seen them before, though. Mm -hmm. bomb couple is shocked to discover that danger lurks for their kids just outside a newly purchased rural home aside from a spooked adjacent pet cemetery they somehow fail to notice that semis roar down their front yard highway every 90 seconds or so seriously though <laughs> i guess i was trying to think like why wouldn't you like this movie like what could possibly make you hate it that much but you could be like, the characters are just acting very yeah. dumb. Uh, he says, the contempt for its audience was sensed even by undiscriminating moviegoers. But really, Malton? It was fucking, it was a hit. People loved it. Yeah. People still love it. <laughs> Maybe he's come around. I don't think so, because he mentions the sequel. Oh. So... Yeah, at least at that time, he still was not on board. Hmm. So that's where Lenny stands. He says bomb. Disagree. I'm going to have to disagree with Lenny, yeah. Mm, sorry. Usually what Lenny says goes. <laughs> I'm like, well, I agree with him. But not here. Yeah. Were we rating this movie? We're rating this movie. It's kind of hard. It's just like, uh, it's always been there. It always I was just going to say that. It's hard <laughs> because it's just a movie that you know yeah. really well. <laughs> I don't know. This is a classic. I think this is a classic movie. Yeah. It's, I don't want to give it a 10, but. I don't think it's a 10. It's a 10 on the rewatch nostalgia I like this movie, mm -hmm. but critically, I can say no, it's not a 10. Yeah. But it's not an 8 either. So it's a 9? 
Yeah, I was thinking either 8.5 or 9, and I think I'm going to go 9 just because I would call it one of my favorites. I was just going to, I was thinking the same fucking thing. <laughs> I would too. Yeah. So why not? Nine. And a, a fucking Gage <laughs> scared me forever. Gage really scared me. Yeah. So yeah, nine. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Malton. It's not a bomb. It's a nine. Yeah. Nines, nines, <laughs> nines across the board. I just wrote down a nine and I circled it. <laughs> she circled it. It's official. It's logged. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I loved watching this movie a couple of times mm-hmm. to do this. It's a good one. I know. When he goes into Judd's house and it's all gooey, I was like, <laughs> yuck. I feel like I never noticed how sticky it was before. Yeah. I didn't remember like some of the supernatural yeah. stuff. Like all the pictures turning sideways and shit like that. Like, and I never noticed before that that picture of that or that painting of that baby was so prominent. Mm-hmm. It really is. Everybody, <laughs> like Rachel, constantly throws herself against the wall that has that painting on it. But yeah, it that's in the movie so much. I never noticed that before. I wonder if it's in the remake. I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> but I remember Zelda not being as creepy. No, she's not. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like we've asked some good questions about Pet Cemetery today. Yeah. <laughs> had some fun, had some laughs. Now it's time to say the next movie. Woo! Our next movie. We're going back to the list. We're going back to the list. Yeah. We went off the grid. Now we're going back on the grid. Yep. We are going to 1984 to review The Mutilator. <gasps> Yay. AKA. Fall break. Yay! Because it's seasonally appropriate. It is. And we love that. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have a returning guest. Hopefully. Hopefully. She can be hard to pin we down. We can get her to commit. I know. <laughs> She's always like, y'all just go ahead without me. <laughs> and we just have to. Yeah. But call in and demand a guest <gasps> for the next episode. That reminds me. Yes. We have a phone call. Yeah. Okay, we got a call from listener Jordan in Canada. We're international. Hell yeah. Jordan, take it away. Hi, Corey and Sarah. This is Jordan calling from Canada. Love the podcast. It's hilarious. And I'm fortunate to have a job at which I can listen to podcasts while working. So I'm always super excited when a new episode of your show comes out. Um, I was listening to your episode on Halloween-themed TV shows and wanted to call in with a favorite of mine. It's called A River of Candy Corn Runs Through It from Season 2 of Sabrina the Teenage Witch from 1997. I was in Grade 3 when this first aired, so it's very nostalgic for me. Um, The plot of the episode is basically, um, well, similar to pretty much all of the plots from Sabrina. Um, So Sabrina gets suckered into throwing a Halloween party, and um, although she tries to keep everything as normal as possible, um, magical chaos inevitably ensues. Uh, even by the standards of the show, which could get pretty weird, there are plenty of wacky elements in this episode that factor into the plot. Um, there's talking furniture. There's uh, magical termites. Um, there's also a very random running gag involving a Jim Neighbors reference, um, which I feel kind of dated even for the 90s. I'm not sure many kids would really have gotten that, but I find it very funny now. Um, and it actually ends with a performance by the 10,000 Maniacs, um, which really has nothing to do with Halloween, but is a highlight of the episode nonetheless. Um, 
there's lots of fun Halloween-y atmosphere. There's some trick-or-treating scenes. Um, and, of course, the Halloween party scenes are very festive. Um, the show actually always had some really fun Halloween episodes, which I guess isn't that surprising, given that it's a show about a family of witches. Um, there's another one that's like a Twilight Zone spoof with a killer doll that I also really like. Um, but, yeah, this one's my favorite. Um, Sabrina's actually, I think, a pretty campy show in retrospect, which is probably why it appeals to me as a young gay kid. And honestly, it's probably why it still appeals to me now. Um, anyway, that's all from me. Thanks for a great show. And I hope you both have a fantastic Halloween. Bye. I love it. That was a great call. Do you see people? This is how it's done. <laughs> yep. Right now, Jordan is our number one fan. Yep. Number one listener. Everyone else is tied for last. Tied for last. <laughs> step, all of you, step your step your game up. What is going on here? Do you remember this? No, because I didn't... Were you not allowed to watch it? No. At the time, this was, he said, 97. At this point, I had graduated from high school already, and I just was, like, not watching shows like this that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I had seen some a few episodes of it, and it was cute. I liked the show, but I just didn't... I think I was a little on the older side. For You're it. more a closer, col- <laughs> color. Clarissa got explains it, it all. You'll yeah. get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I watched Clarissa. I watched both. I did watch Sabrina. I feel like I probably didn't watch it consistently. So I don't necessarily remember this. But next Halloween, I will definitely be going and watching oh, these. Oh, he laid the case out <laughs> for it. Okay. Yeah. I am interested. <laughs> 10,000 maniacs. Yeah. He said they're, they have nothing to do with Halloween, but hello, they're maniacs. They're maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> and there's 10,000 of just them. The, yeah, not just the maniac. 10,000 of them. <laughs> that sounds pretty spooky. Um, Fuck, what's the 10,000 maniacs lady name? Natalie something? Yeah. Not Wood. Not Imbruglia. <laughs> Natalie, what was her name? <sighs> Merchant. Nally Merchant. <laughs> the way I feel under your command. Right? Yeah. Because the night belongs to lovers. Because the night belongs to us. Right? Yeah. Hell yeah. How fun. I loved that in sitcoms when a fucking band or musical act would show up, right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, because you're like, what is this life that you live? This mm-hmm. world that you live in is insane. I think I talked about before when Color Me Bad was on 90210. That's the whole thing. I don't even know if they performed. They just like they they were just they were staying at, at a hotel. Yeah, no, they were staying at a hotel, so they were like all trying to see him. Wow. Yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> must see TV. No, it wasn't must see. I know. What was it? What they call it, was... it over on Fox? <laughs> I wonder what they called it. Something they called it television that you must look at. <laughs> yep Mm -hmm. and then nbc very very catchy we can do better (laughs) seinfeld said let me get in there and punch it up (laughs) thank you jordan for your call yeah i love that um i would not have thought of sabrina but yeah i believe that there are good halloween episodes of sabrina yeah, he's right. Re- it was a very campy show. I remember the newer version. I didn't uh-huh. watch the whole thing, but I did remember a Halloween one that was pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. I liked that it had the kooky ants. Mm-hmm. You know, I love ant culture. Mm-hmm. 
love aunt culture <laughs> tia culture mm-hmm. so a couple of kooky ants i love that you know yeah. talking cat that's cool little sassy cat yeah i'm interested in this i got to have ten thousand maniacs end up here what is happening <laughs> tour bus broke down what do you think core tour bus know. broke down Some- uh spell magical spell gone wrong i don't know maybe that had to do with the talking furniture <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out. <laughs> We're going to call Jordan back. <laughs> I love that. I want more phone calls. I yeah, like it when yeah. you guys call. Yeah, call in. Yeah. Tell, talk to us about anything horror. I want to know if you're scared of Gage or you're scared of Zelda. <laughs> Is it just me? Yeah, which Disney? one? And what are, other, what are other Thanksgiving horror movies that you don't even realize are Thanksgiving movies? Yeah. Like this one. Or like, oh. There's a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Corey's favorite animal. <laughs> I love turkeys. You say they're smart, and I know they're not smart. They're smart. They will drown if they look up in the rain. Mm-mm. They're ugly. No. Their heads and necks look like they're ball sacks. Sweet. They like to cuddle. You saw one turkey getting a hug on the internet, and now you have this idea <laughs> I, about turkeys. Hey, I've seen one in real life. Have you ever hugged a turkey IRL? No, but I would. Maybe I will this year. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time <laughs> okay you send me a picture of you hugging a turkey and i'll rethink my stance on turkeys okay because anybody that would hug you is really smart <laughs> and then you'll pardon one i'll pardon a turkey <laughs> not the one we're gonna have though that would upset my family i'll pardon the turkey you were gonna eat but you won't eat it okay i'll pardon that turkey okay. specifically you'll i'll have you put your hands around its neck like you're gonna <laughs> choke it and then i'll say by decree <laughs> You're pardoned, and then you'll take your hands off its neck, and it, the turkey will be like, phew, close one. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you'll hug it again, because it'll be so glad that you spread its life. Yeah. Well, I think that's a plan for this whole turkey business. I don't even like turkey that much, honestly. Nobody does. I Nobody does. <laughs> they like it in sandwiches, I think. That is true. I do like a turkey sandwich. But I don't. when we cut it up at dinner time, I'm like, I guess give me a little piece of this. I don't yeah. really care that much. We should do a roast chicken. It's way better. You can. You the can. Co- the cops won't come. They won't. What if they did? <laughs> turkey inspector. <laughs> federal turkey inspector. <laughs> um, the federal booby inspector that day is the federal breast inspector, and they have to make sure you're eating turkey, and they check your turkey. <laughs> yeah, I always get the tofurkey, and it's like, it's good. But yeah, I mostly get it to make leftovers with the sandwich. I mean, sandwich leftovers. Yeah, the next day. Does it day. taste like turkey? Turkey barely tastes like anything, honestly. Yeah. Even the best turkey that you've ever had, it tastes good on the outside, mostly. On the inside, you're like, it's fine. <laughs> it kind of tastes like turkey. I don't hmm. know. It has a, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's that authentic, but it's like, it's tradition for me it's to have it. It's got a holiday it. flavor. Yeah. Corey, hmm. we're getting ready to do the holidays. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I really have the Christmas spirit this year. Yeah, I'm holding off. I'm trying not to get it yet because I'm like, I don't want to get burnt out. You want to do Thanksgiving first? A little bit. I do like Thanksgiving a lot. But, like, I don't get excited for Thanksgiving like you do for Christmas I and get Halloween. I excited for stuffing. And I get excited potatoes. for the food. But what else do you do? Nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. Lay around with a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. And then... It's time for me to open my advent calendar. <laughs> I've had my Christmas Bone Mama advent calendar sitting in my pantry for like a month and a half. And I always think about, I think of it and I think to myself, you can open it if you want to <laughs> because cops won't come. the cops won't come. Yeah. 
but I can't. I'll get on the naughty list if I do that. Mm-hmm. I've done those. Um, I think the brand is called like Flavor or something, but they do it with alcohol. They do spirits. Oh, like you can that's pick cute. whatever one you want. Like you yeah. can do a rum one. I think I did like an Armagnac one because I'm like, I never fucking drink so Armagnac. you have to make a little drink every day? Yeah, it comes with a little. Or do you just drink the little I, bottle? I just drink it. <gasps> Corey. Yeah. <laughs> that way you can taste taste it like so you compare just shoot a little bottle of rum for 25 days in a row yeah okay <laughs> it's very small it's like an ounce i mean i drink or i eat a little jam a little jar of jelly every single day for 20 yeah. when you say you're doing anything like that for 25 <laughs> days in a row it sounds crazy <laughs> even the regular one yeah i eat a little piece of mystery chocolate every day for 25 days in a row mm-hmm. sounds crazy Somebody should make an advent calendar that goes through New Year's because honestly, I'm not done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you still have lots of jam left over usually. I want seven more jams. (laughs) That's not true. Last year, I only had like two or three. Well, you brought some to book club. Well, yeah, I brought a whole other advent calendar, but I left them there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was her hostess gift. (laughs) I did bring them to book club and I made everybody only open the ones that I had opened already. (laughs) I said, please do not open further than I've opened because I don't want to ruin the surprise. Yeah, makes sense. I'm really excited. (laughs) It feels like every ha- every Christmas season, something terrible happens in my home, and it's very stressful, and I always am having a good time at Christmas, and then I'm having a bad time at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I hope this year, <laughs> it's just smooth sailing. It's just jam and croissants. No hospitals, just jam and croissants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and remember last year, I bought a new Christmas tree, and it turned out to be too big on accident. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's great. It is great. <laughs> it's a lot to decorate, though. And it takes up a lot of my living room. Yeah. And you gave me your old one. And now I'm going to use it this year and see if my cats destroy oh, it. Yeah. Or find out. Yeah. And I'm going to put mine up and see how much um, piss gets on my Christmas tree skirt. <laughs> <laughs> my dog that won't stop marking everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, do I have to put up a baby gate? Then he's just going to piss on the baby gate. Makes no sense. I'm afraid to put presents out. Mmm. Honestly, I don't even really buy enough presents to <laughs> look good underneath my humongous yeah, Christmas just put tree. Some fake ones. I was, I have been thinking that I need to wrap dummies mm-hmm. just for the look, and he can piss all over those. I don't care. Wrap them with puppy pads. Good idea. <laughs> I'll put a layer of pee pee pads behind the <laughs> wrapping paper, yeah. and it'll just soak it right up. <laughs> That's smart. Thank you. Nice list <laughs> for innovation. That's an orange in your stocking. Yeah. Hey, I I used to look forward to the orange in my stocking because we've talked about this. The orange, I know. The oranges were different. They're better. You would have done so good on the little house on the prairie. I know. I had an orange and like nuts and shells at the bottom of my stocking every and year. And you loved it. I loved it. You would have gotten that one peppermint stick and been like, <laughs> bl- fucking blown your mind. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. They give you a little rag doll, corn cob doll. You go crazy. <laughs> yeah. A little tin cup. You lose your mind. Tin soldier. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing tops that orange, baby. <laughs> they were so good. Oranges were different. Everything was different. Yeah, but especially oranges. Bananas, too. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Bananas are different now. Supposedly. I don't think this is true. We talked about this. That the banana candies have are flavored like the old bananas that can't be and i'm like that's true i don't want them i don't want them <laughs> thank you that can't be there's no way nothing no way. nothing comes from nature and tastes like that if that was how real bananas tasted they would not be popular yeah. they never would have made it off <laughs> fucking wherever bananas come from yeah i don't know cuba 
Yeah, probably multiple places. Where's Banana Boat from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Feels risky to speculate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to speculate. I'll let you do that. I'm down with Cuba. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as always, please. Make a donation to the Bakersfield Burrito Project. It is time to start thinking about being on the nice list. Yeah. Okay. Cash App and Venmo, Bako Burrito Project. Yeah. You can give us a follow on Instagram mm-hmm. at Gag Me With The Chainsaw. And then if you uh-huh. do, you might hear about some fun events that sometimes we can't talk about on the show because we don't have the info in time. <laughs> you got to just... You gotta, you gotta be watching our account at all times. Up to the date information. <laughs> There's a little ticker running at the bottom yeah. all the time. <laughs> Tell you where to go, where Live to be. Live updates. Yeah. <laughs> you can call us. Be like Jordan. Mm-hmm. Call us. 661-454-7499. Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, tell us whatever. Request a movie. Yeah. Like a movie from our list. Yeah. Now we gotta, we're going back to the list. Yeah. For a while at least. Yeah. You never know, <laughs> because we just do whatever we want. We're like, should we record the show? <laughs> nah. <laughs> but we love the show still. We do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to what we have coming up and holiday stuff. It's always really fun when we do like Christmas movies and stuff. So Yeah, and pr- pretty soon New Year's and then the best of the year stuff. Yeah. Although... My list is looking a little short this year, so hopefully I see some bangers soon. My list has <laughs> on it something that... No, she didn't have that on her list last year, right? Who? What? Ar- Ariel. Yes. But that didn't count because it was like a festival or yeah, something, Yeah, Ariel right? cheated. Yeah. <laughs> Mine has something that is kind of iffy in between, and that's all I can really think of right now. I, I got, have to go I back got a and couple, look. Yeah. Normally, I feel like some of the movies on my top five would have been my top 20, not yeah. my top five, you know. But maybe, maybe maybe there's still more to come. We've got the Eli Roth Thanksgiving movie oh, coming I'm out. Oh, I'm hoping. Yeah. I wanted it to be grimy like the trailer, yeah. the fake trailer, and it's not going to be, but I think it's still going to be fun. I really do hope it's going to be fun. I have, I have high hopes. I do, too. I usually have confidence in Eli Roth. Yeah. I'm an Eli Roth defender. For so sure. am I. <laughs> And not just because he was so hot and glorious bastards, although <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Arms, shoulders. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's eyes just popped out like a cartoon. <laughs> I took my shoe off and started hitting myself on the head. <laughs> yeah. Hot. Hot, hot, hot. There's a bunch of hot guys in that movie, and he's super fucking hot. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's still time. Could be, could be. Well, is that all? Yeah, see you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Gag Me With A Chainsaw with your hosts, Corey and Sarah. Music by White Bat Audio. Find us on Twitter at Chainsaw Podcast. And on Instagram at gag me with a chainsaw. Until next time, unpleasant dreams.